Hello and welcome. I'm Chris. <laughs> Every fucking She's time. She's drinking. Why can't I? I'm Joe. And I'm Lester. And we're getting Scientipsy. That was strangely unusual. It was actually. I was like, you know, I'll go deep and both of you do. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to a special edition of the Scientipsy podcast, where instead of talking about a particular scientist this time, we're actually talking about a specific part of science in general. We'll go into more of that in a little bit, however, because first of all, I'm going to ask the two scientists next to me a question about science. Now, uh, last couple of weeks I've been going very personal about the questions I've been asking, so now, what's the first memory you have of really being inspired or really enjoying science? What's that? Where did the spark come from? So... The first um, thing, like the thing that I kind of always hark back to, is a trilogy of uh, children's books about uh, very high-level physics. Okay. Um, um, like, like university-level courses, but basically broken down into um, uh, you know children's books. So they were called, it was the Uncle Albert series by a guy called, um, oh, what's his name? Rather, not Rutherford. <laughs> oh, God. Mr. Uh, a few podcasts ago. It might be Rutherford. It might be, it might be Rutherford. Um, Uncle Albert, you Uncle say. Albert books. Um, I don't remember. I don't, I haven't clocked them before. Russell Stannard. Oh, yeah. Got the rough. Got the, got the rough, yeah. <laughs> Um, so there were three books there was Time and Space of Uncle Albert um, Uncle Albert and the Quantum Quest and Black Holes and Uncle Albert Um, I love that Muse album (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it's it's a story Hmm. um, about uh, an Uncle Albert who I think you can guess who who it's based on Um, yes Einstein. Einstein. Yeah. I was about to make a really funny joke about just somebody else with a different name, but no, that's all right. You're right. Um, is that is it, is it actually meant to be Albert Einstein? Or is he just named after him? It's it's meant to be loosely based. Okay. Like it's it's a fictionalized fictionalization of it. Okay. Mm. Um, and his niece, uh, Gedenken, um, which for ages I was just like, pun. Bless you. <laughs> no, that is Gesundheit. Ah, that's yeah. it. Cool. Gedenken is still German, mm-hmm. um, and uh, means thought. Oh, okay, um, that's cool. And the whole premise of this is that uh, Uncle Albert is so uh, so intelligent that he can conjure a thought bubble. Um, oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, and he's he's so. And one day, him and Gedenken are talking, and. Uh, like they're talking about science and physics, and he says, "Why don't we try and let's see if I can get you into, like, beam you into the thought bubble?" <laughs> you know, um, yes, artistic license. Um, so, with this, he can create whole worlds, and he can, you know, put her in spaceships that go at ninety nine percent the speed of light. She can, uh, I think, this uh, quantum quest is a. Um, retelling of Alice in Wonderland, but Gedenken is um, Alice, and she keeps going with the drink me bottle oh, until she's so so small that she can see uh, quarks and atom. <laughs> what well, everything's so small, and from there it explains things like the double slit experiment. It explains relativity. 
um, wow. and it explains black holes in the last one. That was the scary one for me when I was ten. Um, and uh, I remember having re- read these. I think one of my friends gave them to me as a birthday present in like year four. Um, and I remember uh, like telling one of my teachers that time goes more slowly depending on which level of a building you're on and <laughs> my teacher thought I was really dumb <laughs> so that is why I went and got an undergraduate physics degree and then started <laughs> them wrong yeah now I know I've, I've got evidence I'm not dumb so does time go slightly slower yeah. depending so on actually imperceptibly slightly uh, well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you look, if you work at the top of a skyscraper, the tallest skyscraper, then you extend your life by like a nanosecond. <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah. Let's go. Um, yeah. But it's it's the the twin paradox that you have a, t- a set of twins and you leave one on Earth and you send another one off on a spaceship, traveling around the stars at close to the speed of light, and then when that second twin returns. They will have barely aged, because mm. time goes more slowly when you're travelling that fast. Mm. Um, but the person, the, their identical twin, who is the same age as them, uh, will have aged significantly in comparison. Mm. Um, cool. So it is, it is real physics. And um, if you do have children, um, you two, or you know, listeners, or recommend it to your the kids at well, school. That's very I think that would be... That's yeah. an excellent trilogy. It's very interesting you said that, because today we've literally started the book written by um, Stephen Hawking and his daughter, which oh, okay. is um, George, uh, George and the Big Bang. It's a whole trilogy of books. Mm. And this is all about how the Big Bang starts, and it's, um, creating a, it's like they have to go back and stuff in such a way. But every single chapter, it's half a fiction story and half the facts behind what's oh, happening in yeah. the fiction. And it's a really popular series. Mm. And um, there's a whole group of them, and the school is planning, because there's like five books, they do one each year at school. Oh, okay. And it a whole thing going yeah. through it. Um, we started reading that, and that was fantastic. Mm. And it's, um, it starts off really basic with just going through the solar system, which is done at the moment. Mm. And the first one is, um, it starts off with quite a basic story and goes into this huge subplot. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, huge plot, with, and this is one of the subplots. Mm. And it's all about them wanting to send their pig into space because it's not happy. And it's a really basic starting point, and they're saying, right, what would the positives be? Right, if it went to Mercury, it would be really hot, so no. It's got all these things, like Uranus would be an upside-down pig, all this sort of yeah. thing. Uh, it'd be a sinking pig if it went to Jupiter. And these are all little things that are the things that stick in kids' minds as opposed yeah. to just seeing yeah. something like on it's a such a good way of teaching. The, yeah. Like, this is it. Like, it's, it really visualises it. And it's, it's, like, it does it through theoretical physics. So the whole thing of Gedenken being, like, thought in Germany and him being able to conjure up yeah. thought, I didn't realise until I actually got to university and started studying relativity that all of Einstein's relativity work was... Were, were called Gedenken experiments, so thought experiments. experiments, exactly. Oh, wow. um, so it's really clever, and Russell Stannard also has a book, a very short introductory to relativity. Oh, right. So he's a clever guy as well, and some regards I don't know, I know a bit yeah. more about him, but well, definitely look into it. I'll definitely look into it because mm. it's such an interesting style of book, and it's. It's interesting. I feel like at school, because we do lots of non-fiction work, you're often promoted to what to read fiction things, but mm. the, the blend between the both would be fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll look into that, definitely. How about you, Jo? You see, I can't pin it down to such a <laughs> specific occurrence. I suppose I was just good at it, mm. and because I was good at it, I became interested. Oh, okay, fair enough. 
Is that okay? Is there any moment then? Not not the first moment, but any specific moment that really inspired you to keep going this far with it? I don't know. No. Did you always know that you go this far at GCSE level? No, I used to want to be a physician, which I suppose mm. is it's still science, but it's different. Mm. Uh, I had no idea I would be doing a PhD. Well, none of your friends at the um, when you're in secondary school went into science, did they? I have one friend who's now a doctor, okay. but except for that, no. Hmm, interesting. Well, fair enough. Then two very different backgrounds of story for that one, actually. It's interesting how, one, it's always been kind of set in, and it's always just kind of, I guess it's just developed, but one, there's actually yeah. almost a... I don't think it was a dead... So uh, you weren't like, all right, that's it, science. But yeah. it's something that um, like I was also always good at it, yeah. and that was kind of. But you know, harking back to what first sparked interests and things like that, I, I would say that that was what it is. Mm. And you know, I had one of those like chemistry sets, and I was younger, mm. and we made Nicholas go fun colors and that kind of cleaning yeah. coins. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of makes science seem fun at an mm. early age, but like those books, right? So. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's all about as well getting. This is, it's interesting how the interest works from a very young level because often you think it's a basic experiment will set it off and that'll be they'll want to know how it happens but sometimes actually what's more fun is actually learning about how it's going to happen and then seeing the end result actually is it's nice to see mm. but actually the whole planning of it before like we started um we're doing that for English and we're doing uh, we're doing like gravity now and forces um for our science module mm-hmm. and while the kids did enjoy learning about Newtons, obviously going around and seeing how, many, how heavy the Newton things were, that's mm-hmm. great. But when they realised that the amount of weight was directly linked to the Newtons and there's a pattern, that was the bit that blew their mm-hmm. minds. Not the actual weighing of it, but like, yeah. and then looking at their, all their results and seeing all the differences. Yeah. So it's weird what can work for Yes, that feeling mm. persists. It's, it's really, like, great. See, like, I was trying to explain my research project to my sister the other day, and I was doing it using analogies, and basically talking about a big game of quantum cat and mouse um, I'm doing a science talk on it it'll be very fun <laughs> um, but I was explaining that and I was talking about like police officers chasing criminals um, and then she was like but how does that translate into like maths and because that's what I do mm. maths and there is a way that it does that and there's ways that you can think about it everything that we have can be described by an equation. Mm. The way you walk down the street could be described by an equation. It would just be a very complicated one because you've got to figure out your legs, your arms, your everything. Mm. Um, and all the other shit going on inside you at the exactly. same time. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I guess the thing as well, because science is such a broad field, the that inspiration can lead to so many different careers in science. Mm-hmm. Like, I've not really, until doing this podcast and, of course, knowing how your PhD is going, I've not really realised quite how big science was. I kind of assumed it was like math, science, English, and you do one of those, but no. yeah, completely no, different. Huge. I, I know very little about what Joe does. I know <laughs> even less about what you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, this is a special podcast. There's one less of us today, so instead of doing two people ganging up on one about a scientist, we're actually going to talk about, I don't know what you call it, a field of science? What do you identify this as? A aspect of science. An aspect yeah. of science. Where would you say DNA fits in to science about? Oh, God. Um, Sorry, I've revealed what we're doing. But... Yeah, it's okay. It wasn't a secret. Yeah. No, true. Um, I... <laughs> It's one of those things I kind of assume it's, uh, I'd assume biology, surely. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of assume biology and the way it breaks down, but I assume it can actually fit into multiple different parts of every mm. single science in some way or another. Yeah. Um, now, of course, this is, this the way we present, presented, uh, I'll try that again. The way we presented this is we have one person, well, two people actually, so I'm like, God, I'm terrible at this. <laughs> Take three. 
I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> 12. Now, the way we're going to present this podcast is that, obviously, I know very little about science, and I've deliberately not done any more research on it today, because I do have quite a, well, a significant group of basic questions I would quite like to ask. We have two people who know quite a bit about it. I don't know if they've done research or they're just going to go off the cuff, because I think they know quite a lot about it. <laughs> so, I think there are two people here who haven't done research for different reasons. <laughs> ah, so, okay. Chris, you haven't done any research because... That's the whole point. You're you're here to learn. Layman's um, terms. Yes. And uh, Joe hasn't done any research because she knows about it. I <laughs> <laughs> have done research okay. because um, I am not a biologist um, or a chemist where this kind of fits in as well. I'm a physicist who has not hasn't done biology or chemistry well chemistry since a level and biology since gcse so Ooh. but i am a, <laughs> i am a quantum biologist so i do need to know some stuff about dna hmm. um so i've done a bit of research and more just fun facts and okay. um hopefully for the more technical detail i will pass it over to joe okay. briefly google to check and then answer <laughs> cool so my first question is going to be well, what led to the discovery of DNA? When it first kicked off, how did people discover DNA? Well, that's an interesting question, because it means, what do you mean by discovering DNA? Do you mean discovering the, the molecule of DNA? Mm. Do you mean discovering what DNA can do? Mm. I'm going to say just actually the, the identification of the molecule at the beginning. Just, uh, just well, saying what's right, interesting is, is what it can do came first, mm-hmm. right? Oh, if okay. you think about, you might have heard of Mendel. Yeah, Mendel. Mendel. Yeah. I think I'm, for some reason in my head I went Mengler. Um, I, I also went like that, I was like, well, no. We're not talking about Mengler. <laughs> no, <laughs> Please, not Mengler. Yeah, Gregor Mendel. Yes. Who's known as like the father of modern genetics. What year are we talking? Um. He was a monk, or a priest, uh, oh sorry, an Augustian friar from 1860. That's a friar as in the religious sense, not as in he worked at McDonald's, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and what, what he fact, discovered... They say that you, have, you can't quote discoveries when you're doing really monotonous work, so it could have worked mm. for him. So what he was doing was he was breeding sweet peas, I yeah. believe, some sort of plant, and what he discovered was dominant and recessive genes based upon he bred his plants together and what colour offspring did they have? So dominant and recessive, so you have two parents if um, they, I'm not sure how parents work in plants to be honest. Okay so you have, let's say we have a green plant parent and a yellow plant parent. If each plant parent has two different copies of the colour gene, Mm -hmm. that means their offspring have, what's that, four different options they can have. Yep. So that can be yellow from parent one and yellow from parent two, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but what combination they have thereof mm. is going to mean what colour they are. And what makes that a bit more complicated is that some colours are more dominant than the other. That means if you mm. have one copy of them, you're gonna your plant is going to be that colour. This is why you have some, like... If your parents both have brown eyes, mm-hmm. you're going to have brown eyes. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I think that's what I was going to relate it to, because it's, um, that's probably the most well-known feature of the dominance and recessive gene. Yes. I don't know if it's it the I same color, with hair, hair colour. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's it, also always quite bad, because my parents both have blue eyes and brown eyes, 
and I have green eyes. <laughs> do you? I would have thought you had blue eyes. Yeah. Staring deep into Lister's eyes, they do look green, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, because my parents have brown and blue eyes, and I've got brown eyes, my brother's, brother's got blue eyes. Mm. Mm. Parents both? Yeah, both blue eyes, yeah. In that case, are there ever mutations where two brown-eyed parents give birth to a blue-eyed child? Well, yeah, because if, if each parent... So. <laughs> so, so if the dad has one brown and one blue, and the mum has one brown and one blue... There's a one in four chance mm. of the child getting two blue. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. It's hard yeah. to explain by voice, obviously mm. pictures, but... Yeah. Okay, cool. So... So I would say that 1860, Mendel was the first to discover or think about heritability in DNA. And it's through plants, we're saying. So, yes. Okay. So, yeah. obviously, I'm assuming the, the, the tunnel was that happened... That led to scientific fall, which eventually led to this massive like domino effect to um, yeah. DNA. Okay, in that case, the helix model, which we um, everyone's seen before. Mm-hmm. Everyone, uh, every nice. single science fiction program has used that in the background at some point, yes. probably completely incorrectly labelled. When was that identified? Well, so. if you have listened to previous podcasts, you know. <laughs> Layman's so, Chris, so, Chris, do you remember whom the two scientists were that discovered it? The two was accredited with discovering it. Um, I believe one of them was a. <laughs> um, no, actually, I've completely forgotten. Watson and Crick. Oh, and okay, yeah. Rosalind Franklin. Rosalind, okay, cool, yeah. yeah. Oh, she was right at the beginning. That was months ago. <laughs> and <laughs> oh. um, so they published their paper on the structure of the double helix in 1968. Mm-hmm. So DNA. Was it not 53? Anyway. It's the it might be 68. Oh, enter popular culture. Oh. oh. <laughs> You're right, Lester, 1953. Oh. That served me right for using Wikipedia. 15 love to Lester. <laughs> so DNA is also known as um, deoxyribonucleic acid. Okay. Do you want to break that word down for us? Yeah, go on. So nucleic acid yep. means it's made up of nucleotides. So these are things you might have heard of. Um, A, T, G, and C are mm-hmm. like the four bits. Okay, which... so adenine. Yep. Thymine. Yep. Guamine. Guanine. 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 I always remember that because my biology teacher at GCSE was, would go, what's a guanine? <laughs> what's a guanine? What's a guanine? I don't know. I and was, what's C? Uh, oh, um, c- cytosine. Yep, close enough. <laughs> Fine. Okay, I'm going to give my three and a half out of four because uh, I did look at it and it's on my screen. I didn't oh, realise okay. that. Oh, <laughs> okay. That is cheating. And so that's the nucleic acid bit. Mm. It means it's made up of nucleotides. So ribo means it's got a ribose group on it. That's a sugar. <laughs> and then deoxy means that one of the oxygens has come away from it. Yeah. Something else you oh. might have heard, RNA, is just ribonucleic acid, acid, and that still has the oxygen there. Mm. Okay, because I, I... Yeah, okay, I guess I was spelling it differently in my head, uh, and I didn't actually look at the foot, how to spell it, because I thought it was dioxy. No, which D-oxy. Im- yeah. So D E, not D I. Yeah. D I would have mean mm-hmm. would have meant two. Yes. Like okay. dihydrogen monoxide. Whereas D means kind of lack of. Mm. And these A T G and C nucleotides, um, they form a chain which then pairs with a complementary A T G and C on the other side. Yep. And these two chains coil together to form a double helix. And mm-hmm. uh, that yep. DNA molecule is the heritable genetic molecule. Is there such thing as a single helix then? Yeah. Yeah? So. Okay. So, I know this because I did a bit of research on it. <laughs> um, so, um, RNA, RNA is a single helix. Yes. And so, <clears throat> the whole purpose of DNA is to 
build you. It's it's the information that is contained. I would disagree. Okay. I would argue that DNA is like a memory stick. Mm. You're like, here are the instructions on how to yeah. build me. And then the point of RNA is how to build you. Yeah. So um, RNA will go and uh, go into the nucleus where the, the DNA is stored and will make a copy. Well, no, the RNA comes no. in that. It won't go no. in. No, no. Yes. So you have the double stranded DNA in the nucleus mm-hmm. and you have to replicate that. And yeah. you can, when it's replicated, you'll get single stranded DNA during that part. And also when you want to use that stored mm. information to make something, the two strands will break apart. Yep. Enzymes will come in and these are catalysts basically. And they will make an RNA chain from the single stranded DNA. But that is like a copy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's a copy, but made up of slightly different okay. bits of nucleotide. And then that RNA will come out of the nucleus. So the nucleus is like the command center of your cell. Mm-hmm. The RNA comes out of it as the main bit. And that's where it can have its effects. Yeah. Okay. And it can start building. Um, well, no, it can. It doesn't start building it. It goes to. Um, ribosomes? Yes. Yes. Okay, and then ribosomes will read the RNA, mm-hmm. um, and from every three base pairs, yeah? Yeah, so a okay. base pair is like an A bonded to a T, yeah. or a T bonded to an A. Okay, so from every three of those corresponds to a different type of protein. Protein, yeah? Protein building block. Protein build, building, building block. What's the difference between a protein building block and a pro... Well, a protein is made up of loads of amino acids, right? So one oh, codon okay. is one amino acid. Yeah, right. okay. So this is me just regurgitating all the knowledge. Right. Um, the amino acids, which are the protein building blocks, um, and uh, that then builds up an entire protein, which can... I was going to look this up today, but I might as well ask you, Jancy, to test your knowledge. <laughs> what's the largest and what's the smallest protein that you can have? Oh, okay. So, I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. but very big and yeah. very small. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Like, you can probably... The you... smallest would be... Could it be... Could I'm assuming that one amino acid couldn't be a protein. No. Um, I would probably say 20 amino acids plus. Okay is a protein. So the thing about proteins, um, so they're made up of chains of amino acids. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a chain of something that's kind of a straight line, that's not a protein. No. That's just a chain of amino acids. Proteins are these chains that are folded up and scrunched mm. up into a particular structure. Yeah. And it's the structure that embodies the function of the protein. Mm-hmm. So until the chain can fold up into the, fu- into the structure, it can't have a function. Yeah. So the it would say it has to be long enough to fold. Okay. I'm gonna guess twenty, and yeah, I'm gonna guess... have a quick Google. Okay. Hmm. Uh, and when you say very big, define very big, like because it's twenty thousand amino acids. But it's still gonna be ridiculously small, isn't it? So to look at proteins, um, we run them on gels, and the like standard highest marker we have is 150 kilodaltons. So that's 150,000 Daltons, and that's okay. along the lines of 300,000 amino acids. So I found what the largest protein is in the body. Mm-hmm. Not that big. Titan? Yeah. Which is 27,000 amino acids. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's still a long strand of DNA. Yeah. So that's going to be around 90,000 base pairs. Yes. Um, so... <clears throat> 
Like, yeah, think about reading a, a book which is 90,000 characters long. How long is that, do we reckon? Not that long. 90,000 characters? Oh, just, just characters or, or 90, words? Or 90,000 words. Uh, well, let's go with words. because 90,000 words, I guess, is what? I reckon that's... No, yes. 90,000. My dis- dissertation is 15,000. Let's say what? It'd be like 100 pages or so? Well, the issue is, is that it's ha- ha- how big's the font? It's gonna be about two hundred pages, I would say. Okay. Like, okay. So like thesis like. Yeah. Um, and that's to build one, well, the largest protein. Mm. Um, but still one. Yeah, and that's only got one job in the in our body. Um, so there's, uh, I think I saw in my uh, research today. Um, so if you were to um, if you were to write out your genetic code, and if you could do sixty words a minute, and you worked for eight hour, eight hours a day, seven days a week, it would take you fifty years to Jesus. write out your genetic code. Yeah. Oh my god. So the. But that is all squeezed onto a um, a, a what a, if you a, a line of DNA is only three metres long. Two metres long, even. So, it's not... Is that long? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you stretch out all your DNA end-to-end, about three metres long, mm. but Jesus, you wow. have one copy of that and all of your cells in your body, and cells are mm. tiny. Yeah. The way yeah. it's all folded up. Well, I was going to say, um, one of the questions I have written down here was how much data is in DNA, but I assume there's many different variables of... DNA and data that you can... I think I saw a a stat today which was it was around 700 terabytes and that's in comparison I think the Panama Papers which were all the documents released that is somewhere between 3 and 7 terabytes so... Jesus Christ! So one of the things that people are doing which I think is absolutely fascinating is that doing loads of work and using DNA literally as a storage mechanism. So rather than using computer chips or whatever, we just grow bacteria, which has Mm. our data stored in it. So really recently they had, um, they edited some bacteria and so the gene of that bacteria, they made it do a GIF that was a horse running. They literally put that into some bacterial DNA. That's insane. So is that that, what, is that in the next 20 years, is that gonna be the future of that thing, do you think? Yeah, why not? But you think um, how, Often we take inspiration from nature um, to do things. So, you know, when we were learning to fly, we were taking inspiration from the way that animal fly, yeah. animals fly. I mean, I know planes don't wings fly. Work. But, um, but like the, hawks or whatever, they glide. Yeah, they glide and they adjust their wings. Um, and there's a, there's a whole host of these examples. Horse power. Um, <laughs> horse power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that comes from slightly different of... Ah, it's all the same. To the transition from horse and carriage to cars. Mm. Mm. So the human genome, I just looked up, is 3,234,000... No, sorry. 3,234 mega base pairs. So that means it's that times a million. That's how long that is. Yeah. Oh, so, a mega, so a, mega, a mega base pair is uh, a million. A million of them. Okay. So Jesus. <laughs> Bloody yeah. hell. It's it's a it's a 
long old piece of information. Uh, and you have one copy of that in all of your cells. Is each one per person completely unique? Yep. Yep. Jesus. So <clears throat> you so within humans, humans share ninety nine point nine nine percent of DNA with every, with other so you and I we ha- we share ninety nine point nine percent of our DNA. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, it's that zero point zero one percent or whatever that makes the difference. That's why you've got brown hair. I've got blondie hair. Um, but zero point zero one percent of three thousand million. It's, it's a significant amount. Yeah. Um, I guess when like, it comes to like, I assume it affects obviously internal workings and shit like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's all very similar between people, so that's I'm assuming where it comes into. Yeah, similar but variation. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, um, so there's lots of lots of things like that. That kind of brings me on to one of my mini games. Okay, let's okay. right. Let's have our first game break. Um, so, um, I think uh, it's a fairly well-known thing that um, humans share. Fifty percent of their DNA with a banana. Banana, yeah. Yep. Yes. Oh, okay. this is so, a really fun game. This isn't. This is a game. Who do we share? Uh, who shares a more common connection with us? Okay, so I'm going to give you two options, mm-hmm. and you guys have got to guess uh, which which one of them has more of their DNA in common with us. Okay. okay. Is, is this closest common ancestor, or is this more similarity in DNA? More similarity in DNA. Okay. Which I'm not entirely sure how they work it out, but I found these all when they've all been referenced in various cool. different papers and things like that. What we should do is that when we do the answers, I should go first because I'll just base my answers off yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go first. So okay. I'll go first. If we if we both end up with the same one, then okay. Cool. So the first two are two very closely related to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to go with uh, uh, bonobo, bonobos, bonobos, yep. uh, bonobos, or gorilla, who shares more of their DNA. Bonobos are all the big Can't noses. Google. I'm looking up Bonobo. They're all the big noses. It's a very good band. I've seen them live. Oh, no, um, they're not all the big noses. Ah. Oh. I'm going to say... I don't know much about the characteristics of Bonobos. I've seen lots of gorillas and stuff, obviously. Um, but I don't know how... Based on appearance alone, they're both very similar. So I assume it's going to be a very minute amount of things. I'm going to say Bonobos because I know that they have a significant... Mammary gland in comparison to gorillas, so then I'm seeing there's some aspects there that might link up. So I'm also going to say bonobos, mm-hmm. but that's because I am aware that one of the closest ape, or sorry, monkey primate relatives, primate, yeah, yeah. is chimps. Yep. And bonobos look more like chimps than gorillas do. Okay, well I can tell you that you're both correct. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, with the bonobo and chimp thing, um, we. Uh, with the bonobo and chimp thing, uh, there was a paper done in 2012, I think, which showed that bonobos and chimps were pretty much as equally related to us as uh, as a gorilla were. But yeah. the difference is bonobos are around 99% and gorillas are around 98% uh. similar to us. <clears throat> so it's pretty close. Okay, so number two, uh, cat or mouse? Oh, interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. Both small and furry. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with mouse because my, this is a really stupid thing to go over. It's the only sense of logic I can find. Mice can sometimes like pose in a 
biped sort of way, like if need be, where cats I feel of as felines are completely different. So that's the only thing that's linking it, and that's basically stupid illogical reasoning coming from my part. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with that because I think, yeah, I think mice. I think. I also think mice, but only because I think that rodents branched off the tree after felines did. Mm. But I might be wrong. Okay, um, so you are both wrong, and it <laughs> oh, is cats fast. that have ninety percent of. Uh, similar DNA to humans. Okay, um, what percentage do mice have? Mice have around 73%. Oh, well. Huh. Um, and that's an interesting thing that you said, and we'll get onto that in a sec. Okay, so the next one, cows or dogs? Cows. Okay. I know your cows just because of... Again, I'm relating this on things I have no idea about, but... Mm. Why, do you, why do you think cows? I was thinking because, like... My cow. Your cow, our cow. Um, I don't know. I, I don't actually know. Um, yeah, fuck it. Shot in the dark, cow. I don't really have any Shot logic in the behind dark. it. Okay, cool. I don't know either, so I'm going to go dog. Okay. Well, in this case, it's at least a split. Uh, Joe is correct. Ah, damn Okay. It. But only by 4%. Cows have 80% in common with us. Dogs have around 84% in common with us. Huh. But, so the interesting thing, um, originally I was going to do cows versus mice. Mm-hmm. And so I think you were right with that we split from uh, cows before we split with, from mice. Mm. Um, but for some weird reason, we've got more in common with cows. And I think it's just the, the DNA that developed from also, the common ancestor. Also, the mice are smaller, therefore they replicate mm. Quicker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. That was that was the very good reason. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So now um, you already know the percentage of bananas. Yeah. Okay. Fifty. Fifty percent. Bees or bananas? I'm talking about honeybee. Honeybee or banana? I feel like the fact that something's living must be an advantage. Like the fact that it's an actual living. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like one that's animate. In, yeah. However, I'm going to stick with my, with my mate, the banana. You think bananas are more close than bees? I'm sticking with the potassium. So, honeybees presumably are invertebrates. I mean, they don't have a backbone. Like most insects. Cowards. Um, <laughs> whereas bananas also don't have a backbone. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have an exoskeleton. Alternate name for this podcast. <laughs> Bananas don't have a backbone. <laughs> like no such thing as a fish. Um, so I'm going uh, I think B? that's slightly more obvious. Yeah. You, you think B, which is actually A. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think, sorry, a honeybee. A honeybee. Um, honeybees have 44% in common. No! Yes! It's equal. Did you know that the common banana that we eat is going extinct? Yes, oh, really? How come? Because it's, it can't grow without human help. So it's like domesticating of dogs. Yeah. Dogs can't survive. Are yeah. very can't really survive without us. And there's also a, I believe, virus mm. that's going around. It's basically killing all the common bananas. They're not called yeah. common bananas. I don't know what they're called, but the the, the ones that we use. But I th- so I thought that. A couple of decades ago, we ate a different species of banana. More than a couple of decades, but yes. Okay. And then we switched over because that one got wiped out. Yeah. Okay. Normal meat now is a lot sweeter and bigger mm. than a lot of the other types of bananas yeah. that are growing wild. It's a product of uh, 
selective breeding. Than... Yeah. Which isn't a good thing. No. Okay, final question, decider. Oh shit, we have to go with different ones, because we're, we're drawing at the moment. Okay. Chicken. Or the egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to point out that <laughs> they would be they're exactly the same. The same. <laughs> no one no. said it was a chicken egg. Wait, actually, oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> and no, they wouldn't be exactly they, the same. They wouldn't be exactly the same. They'd but they would, exactly they would the be same. roughly the same. Um, a chicken or a fruit, fruit fly? Like Drosophila. Drosophila, yeah. But, uh, you know. I don't, what's the chicken's real name? I don't know, actually. Okay, you guys think about the answer. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm thinking, how do you flies, what's the gestation period? Gallus, gallus. Yeah. How do you gestation, well, how does the gestation work with flies? They have eggs, and they're fertilised. It's basically a small chicken. I think flies give birth to live offspring. In that case, again, completely illogical, I'm going to go with flies. You said, well, I, I know with the mice thing, there's they're obviously a high chance of replicating. I'm gonna go to fly. I'm gonna go to fly. I think because chickens are okay. dinosaurs, isn't it? Well, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going for chickens. Okay. Um, so I didn't expect you guys to be drawing because fruit flies and chicken both have sixty percent of it. Oh wow! So so okay. I'm gonna have a de- no. I'm gonna have a decider. Okay. And uh, this is before going... you have a decider. Fruit flies do not give birth to live offspring. It's eggs. Apologies. Okay. Oh. Um, that would have swayed my answer. <laughs> so, you guys both know what a platypus is. Yep. Mm. Okay. Duck build or otherwise. Well, the ones that look like that. They're so Aww. cute. They are very they're cute. They're also venomous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they lay eggs. They're the only mammal that lays eggs. Yeah. And um, there's a weird story, like. So they are marsupial, like they're a weird mix of marsupial mammals and birds. Yeah. Um, and there's I'm a. Fucked. So that is kind of, we haven't really found a way to to distinguish them. Mm-hmm. There might just be a whole episode in plat. There is. I've seen a podcast on platypuses. Anyway. Um, and then native- You've seen a podcast. No, I've listened. To- we should do one. And, and then a native to which country? Australia. Australia. Of course, yeah. Australia. Um, <laughs> Australia was just where you know if Australia is the is the. I think evidence for God in the sense of animals because they're just weird. <laughs> what is it? Platypuses? Platypusai? Pl- so, platypus... No, platypus... Platypi. Platypi. It's platypi, isn't it? Sure. No, it's any... All of them are acceptable. All of them are acceptable. Oh, what? the octopus. Right, yeah. Have you ever seen the cartoon of God being like, oh, well, make it an what's in the spare parts? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bill on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the story for the platypus is that um, a beautiful swan decided to have a child with an ugly rat. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how Aww. the platypus... Like the ugly duckling. An ugly yeah. rat. Um, and that is how the platypus came to be. Um, okay, so the decided okay, question... Cool. Yes. We got okay. very off topic there. You guys have to guess how, what percentage um, of human DNA is shared with the platypus. And whoever gets closest wins. Okay. I'm gonna get so, guess that it's unfathomably high. Uh, well, not unfathomably, obviously, but very high. Um, I am gonna ask you. So I want you to reveal it together. Okay. To write it down. Yeah, you write. You write it down. And like a go piece of paper. I write on the board and Chris doesn't do it. Okay. I'll just give you a piece of paper. Okay. 
Oh no, Joe, you can you can tell me actually. No. No. I don't want to tell you. I want to write it. You want to write it. Okay. So, Chris, three, two, one. Ninety. Oh god. Oh, Ninety. Oh no! I've gone for 93%. Because I think it's going to be ridiculously high. Joe has gone for a, a much more conservative and probably much more believable 65%. Okay, so... Um, do a little platypus, though. Oh, I didn't do that. <laughs> if you bear in mind that uh, cats, dogs, and cows, cows share 80% of their DNA, and they're still fully mammals. Fuck knows what platypi are. Yeah. But um, I've said it all of the ways now, I yes. think. Yes, yeah, anyway. Platypodus, Bing. maybe? Or Bingo. Platypodicus. Um, uh. Uh, platypus share... 69% oh, of the series. Well so done. Joe is is the closest by 4%. Fantastic. And um, I won by a significant amount. Chris should go away and grow a bill if he thinks he's that closely <laughs> related to a platypus. <laughs> go away and grow a well, bill. That's the thing. Great can, insult. If we can share half half of our DNA with bananas, fuck knows about platypi. <laughs> <laughs> also, if I could go away and grow a bill, I would. <laughs> Jokes on you when I know that this is going to be 65% for me. <laughs> no, it's just 93% for Chris. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, to be fair, I, I have flippers. <laughs> Actually, they have flippers? No, they've got... Pl- I know they, they do. They've they they got little clawy hands. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right, um, so... Cool. Cool. Uh, do we... We're, we're, we're at 42 minutes of this podcast. I've got a few more questions. There's a lot to cut out, though. I, I do have another is quiz as well. Yeah. I think up until the platypie conversation, there wasn't that much at all. Oh, really? Yeah, most of it's pretty kept in. Okay. Wait. You know what? I've enjoyed that. Should we, should we go on to the second game now? Or you can ask us another question. So I'll ask one, yeah, one question. Another question then we'll do I'll ask you a quick a question is an interval before we begin the next game to recharge our brains. Mm-hmm. So, DNA. Hypothetically, say DNA was kind of like taken away. How much would that bollocks up everything? Like... Does it literally constitute every single feature I mean, of every person? You would die straight away. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. But like, if I, if it, if, like, what would it, what would be left of me if it wasn't for DNA? Would there be actually anything at all? Would anything start to build or progress without okay, that information? Okay, so this is very interesting. So humans, their genetic information is stored as DNA. All the things we just talked about—the mice, the rats, the platypuses—all their genetic information is stored as DNA. Most bacteria, their genetic information is stored as DNA. Lots of viruses, such as the one I work on, like herpes simplex virus, all those genetic information is stored as DNA. But there are some viruses whose genetic information is stored as RNA. Ah, okay. This is things like HIV, Mm -hmm. Zika, Mm -hmm. coronavirus. Oh, okay, topical. So, I mean, the world would be just populated by a few viruses that would die pretty quickly because they need humans or active, bugs to live active bodies I guess you'd call it yeah Yeah. okay so in that case is there anything that we're yet to discover about DNA is there anything that oh. we I think there's a lot there really? like there's there's probably lots how it actually like I think one of the things that has puzzled me is how it, like we know the processes that it works as so you go from R, like DNA to RNA to uh, ribosome to protein to amino acids to protein um, and you've got that how how does that information translate from a 
adenine, guamine, thymine, cytosine. How does that translate? Um, how, do, how does the ribosome know what protein, what amino acid to put in so place? So we know the answer to that, and okay. that is structure. Like it has a hole that will mm. fit a certain thing, okay. and that thing happens to be the right amino acid or whatnot. Yeah. What I think is fascinating that so we know all these proteins that happen. We know that translation happens. So, so that translation is RNA to protein and transcription happens. So transcription is DNA to RNA. But what causes these things to happen? Mm. So things like stress yep. or lack of sugar or lack of fat or, oh, I'm too big, it's time to divide. Mm. We know all these things cause changes in gene expressions. That's what yeah. bits of DNA are expressed at which time, but how? Mm. So... Is there the suggestion that DNA changes as we age? Yeah. DNA well, does change. So I, I think I know, like I know what happens to the DNA when we age, because uh, this is one thing that I was taught when I started my quantum biology PhD. Mm. Um, so in DNA, so these r- long strands of DNA, um, we're talking billions of base pairs long. Um, <clears throat> when you're reading them, they don't read them from start to finish. They kind of read segments of it when they copy it. Um, and then that builds up, a, you know, for various other things. Um, but to make sure that nothing gets missed off of the end of these DNA, they have uh, telomeres. And this is a bit like... Uh, what happens to it is a bit like what happens to a rubber at the end of a pencil. Um, so over time, the telomere gets shorter and shorter and shorter. After every copying of DNA, the telomere gets shorter until you start actually infringing upon the important stuff in the DNA. So how many times do you think that happens with telomere? How many times do you think it gets... Well, 40. 40, is it? Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. Glad someone did it. Each cell <laughs> can divide 40 times before it oh, enters okay. senescence. And senescence is when it can't divide anymore. Yeah. Okay. And if your cells do divide more than 40 times, that's really, really bad because it means you've got cancer. Oh, okay. Thanks for that plot twist. <laughs> Did you not? No, not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> then again, this is only does now how cancer works. True. So, so okay. one of the like hallmarks of cancer is the ability to divide infinitely. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways of being able to divide infinitely is to be able to make telemails longer constantly, rather yeah. than wearing down all oh, the time. Okay. It's like you're constantly adding new rubber onto your pencil. Mm. Ah, okay, cool. Okay, so what was the, uh, do we know off the top of our heads when the last significant uh, discovery with DNA was? Like, obviously, discovering it in the first place. Like, is that, oh, really? Is it, is it like a daily, I see, okay. Interesting, I kind of assumed that it had been set in its ways. Okay. Science is a dynamic moving field, yeah. and yeah. So what hundreds the... of papers are published on every topic every day, so... Just continually moves. Yeah. So one of the like new hot topics about DNA is we know we have these genes and these code for things, and that's so you've heard the nature nurture argument yes, kind of right. Yeah. So that's nature. You can't change that. You've got your genes and they're kind of stuck in stone. Um, but whether each gene is active or not is something called epigenetics, mm-hmm. and that some of that is heritable. 
But some of that is also changeable, mm. and that's kind of the nurture of every everyday life. And so it's not just whether you've got the right gene there, it's whether it's active or not. And all these things uh, get the impact. But that's one of the new things that people are researching at the moment. And the heritability of that is brand new, and kind of a couple of years old, and fascinating because how can you inherit local changes in DNA? Okay, interesting thing to ponder on. So, DNA has lots of uses, mm-hmm. um, and uh, one of the things that we're most, you know, well, the the two things that we're probably most familiar with it at the moment are kind of looking at our ancestry, mm-hmm. which is an interesting topic, but I'm not going to go into it, uh, and also the one that has been around since the 80s, which is... Um, using it for evidence in criminology. Oh, forensic science. <clears throat> fingerprinting. Well, yeah. Is that forensic science? I, I mean, fingerprinting, fingerprinting. Yeah, fingerprinting has been around, I think, since Victorian times. Um, doing it with DNA um, has been the first time it was used to convict a criminal. When do you want to... 1876. 1876. 1976. Four. Oh, I see. I like, oh, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry, I'm fingerprinting of DNA fingerprinting. DNA fingerprinting. Ah! 1977. Well, Chris is closer. No, I'm, I'm actually going to go 1982. Uh, mm, I'm going to say early 90s. No, 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 1990. 1990. Well, Chris is closer. Oh, really? only, only by a year or so. It's 1987. It was kind of almost oh, by the middle. Okay. Um, so I thought we were an actual fingerprints. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so this leads me on to my next game. Okay, um, let's go. Which is, where is DNA found in the body? Okay. Ooh, okay. So you, it... you think it's everywhere, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so... I know it's everywhere. You know it's everywhere. Okay, well, let's see if, uh, let's see if this will throw you off then. Um, is DNA found in bones where the flesh is decomposed? Mmm. Ooh. Ask Chris first. Chris, what do you think? Uh, are any of these answers yes, but in like a almost unreadable form? Like it's like we can we you can confirm it's there, but it's almost like just dist- indistinguishable from what what originally was. Mm, it not no, change. so this is no. Okay, no. Um, um, the 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 bones are still intact as bones, just the flesh is disintegrated as okay decomposed. Yeah, that's the word. I'm gonna say no, no. So I'm quite torn, right? Because mm-hmm. we can sequence bits of dinosaur genomes, right? Mm-hmm. From bones, quote unquote. But this might be fossilised flesh attached to bones. Mm-hmm. So I'm also going to go no. Okay, no. You're both incorrect. Bones oh, are a good source of finding really? DNA. Oh. Okay, the next one. A haircut from a human head. Well, I'm immediately going to jump on with yes, which makes me doubt myself and say no. I'm going to say yes, because immediately that's the sort of thing you go for, isn't it? Like, when you, when I've got police action TV drama shows, it's like, oh, there's a hair on the culprit. There we go, that's it, DNA. No, unless it contains a follicle. Well, actually... Okay, yeah, cool. Sorry, I'm I was, was going to straight away. So, yeah. okay. this is... I, did did you know that beforehand? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this, uh, this is why um, the... The, the doubt um, that, you know, because um, I thought, like you, Chris, mm. um, that... You poor bastard. Yeah. 
Um, that, you know, hair is a very good source of DNA, but no, it's only if it's you dead, isn't pull it? it out. So if you pull out a bit of hair, mm-hmm. most of the time it's just a bit of hair, but okay, like it'll have a, like a white bit on the end of your scalp, yeah. and that's where you can get the DNA from. Yeah, okay, so hair without that bit is useless. Mm. Okay, interesting. So, um, so that's thing, because hair is dead, right? Because hair is just kind of protein. Hair's, mm. well, from what I, if it's I, the same thing as nails, horns. I say, what I from what I recall from GCSE science was that hair is dead cells and such shit, right? So the only reason it's useful is because of the white bit in the end. Cut the bit off and it's just dead cells. It's more than dead cells. Well, yeah, but okay. lamest terms, remember? Keratin. I'm the simpleton here. Keratin. Do you sell fives that sort of stuff? Kerosene. Ah, there we go. Kerosene. Which, let's not forget, Barry Marshall's sister almost drank one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's back. Hashtag throwback. <laughs> Um, okay, next one. Uh, is DNA found in red blood cells? Ooh. I could really make this difficult. And say that it's either found in red blood cells or white blood cells. Now, white attacks... That makes it no harder. White attacks the bad stuff, right? Yes. But one of them doesn't have it in definitely. I know. I'm going to go with white blood cells as having, D- uh, as having DNA in it. Red blood cells do not have DNA. Red blood cells do not have DNA. Yes. In it. Okay. Point for Chris. Are you ready? This might be a t- tricky one, but it is one often used in to convict. Uh, no, I've just given it away. <laughs> I was going to say sperm, but sperm I was gonna... has DNA. Yeah, that was quite an easy one. Toenails. Sorry, I was going to say sperm. Sperm would have said yes. Uh, toenails. Um, I'm going to go as a similar sort of thing to hair, like. Surely with a fragment turn on itself, but if it's connected to... I don't, do nails connect to a piece of something? I would Your say, finger. <laughs> or toe, in this case. <laughs> um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no on this one. No. I was going to say no, because I'm no. the same thing as hair. Yeah, no is the correct answer. Yes. Uh, I'm learning. Teeth. Ooh, yes. Yes, I think they do. There's always a big thing about dental records in the TV shows, isn't it? Uh, That's this, uh, this shape. Is, I'm basing all about the TV shows, but that and um, but they also connect to nerve bending and shit. They also so teeth to... are basically made out the same thing as bones. I'm gonna say yes, they do contain mm-hmm. DNA. Yeah, they are. They are. They oh, are. Yes. Okay, and finally, urine. I'm in what? You're in deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, um. I'm going to say no, because it's waste from external products. It's not something that's necessarily created by the individual. I'm going to say yes, because I know you shed immune cells in your urine. Oh. Okay. So, kind of both right, oh, but only with Joe's caveat of you do have other cells in your urine. Your urine itself, like urea or whatever it is, doesn't contain any of your DNA. Well, urea wouldn't. Urea is a chemical. Yeah, but you know the urine does. <laughs> so we're both right, but I'm more right on that one. Please, slightly. You have, you have the I mean, I've lost overall anyway. So. <laughs> so one of the like common myths is that urine is sterile. Okay. Um, it actually isn't because you do have. So you've heard of the microbiome, right? Which is the bacteria that live in your gut, but you do also have bacteria that live in your bladder, mm-hmm. and you, you eat the too. Okay. Fair enough. I, to be fair, like I'm not too dissatisfied with my performance. There's a few things that were just blatant guesses. Yep. Did a good job. But I think as you go along, you're kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. I yeah, get it. that's I the, get hair, the, the trick. The hair thing related yeah. to DNA. What about bone marrow? 
Bone marrow has DNA, and mm. interestingly enough, so there are a few cases of people having. So there was a case of a woman who, uh, she failed a maternity test, um, for her kids, and you think, okay, if I, you know, if on the, I get paternity tests, you fail. Yeah. Um, maternity. But if you pushed a kid out, yeah. you're pretty sure it's yours. Um, yeah. But there are there are a few cases of people having multiple DNA. So these can occur in a couple of cases. Having bone marrow transplants is one way of getting it. But also, if you um, engulf your twin in the womb, then oh, you see. can also have multiple sets of DNA um, from your yourself and your twin. Mm-hmm. How morbid. So bone marrow, in particular, Chris, is bone marrow is basically the source of your stem cells when you're an adult. Mm. So all the cells in your blood are going to be coming from your bone marrow because they're constantly dividing or facing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is the place where you're likely to find random DNA. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I think we're coming to the end of the podcast. Are there Mm. any more facts or anything that we found from our research or that we know off the top of our heads that we think is interesting enough to share? Do you have one more question for us? Um, To be fair, we actually kind of, we we got through them really, basically. Quite quite a few of my questions were actually answered whilst asking other questions. Mm. (laughs) In that case, did you understand everything you heard today? Not all of it, but I understand the basics of it. I could say... What ha- are you confused by? Uh, lots of the particular proteins part got me. I'm not going to lie. I know how it builds up and etc. Et part of that got me. Um, I think... The thing about DNA, understanding it by itself, but it's also understanding what's around DNA is going to be mm-hmm. the difficult bit. I know I've known a bit about RNA because we've read part of this wonderful book. Um, but there's some parts when you say you're saying things it affects, and that, that's where it completely lost me. To be honest, DNA by itself now I can completely understand the double helix bit and all the information from it, and how it spreads information, how much is it, information's in it, how it's individual, how it's different per person, how it's different per animal, per banana, uh, per uh-huh. platypi, um, which is interesting. I can understand how it almost kind of needs to be a living thing to spread its information. Obviously, like talking about the last quiz for etc. I think what I'd need to see, what would be really nice to see, if I could see like an actual diagram of how it actually flows into each and every single. Oh, I wish I could see that. Of like an individual, how if you can like link one part to this part of the body, what route does it take? How does it get there? And how does it affect it? And what if there was a subtle change? What change would it make for that? Because we said it was um zero point zero point zero one percent changes hair colours and shit. Mm-hmm. So how that route happens? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's zero point zero. One percent changes is is where the differences between humans are. Mm. Um, but the thing that controls your hair color is probably not that big. Jesus, <laughs> like that—that's even small. Think of a, all. So zero point zero one percent has to. That includes, um, you know, things like hair color, eye color. You know the shape of your face, the shape of your nose, mm. um, your teeth, your height—all those things that separate us. All How many nipples you have? Um, well, yeah, some have three. Uh, so people have three nipples. What's their DNA like? What's the difference there? Just ninety-nine point nine percent of the There's a small yours. strand that means they have three more. Okay. Um, so yeah, all of that has to fit into that zero point one percent. So if you're thinking Jesus. about what changes your your point zero 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 yeah um it's a very small percentage um actually one question quickly does dna um adapt and grow in the gestation period or is it already created by the time you're growing 
So, your DNA as a fetus is 50% your mum's and 50% your dad's. Mm-hmm. But it's 50% of 50% of your mum's and 50% of 50% of your dad's. But, I mean, mm. your DNA changes throughout your life, right? Yeah. The DNA replication process is not without errors. Yeah. You're going to have more and more and more and more changes the, the, longest, the longer you get from conception. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Because your DNA will will go under mutations every single day through ultraviolet interactions with your DNA. Yeah, through alcohol, through sugar, through, Mm. you know, anything you could think. But your DNA is also quite good at repairing itself and fixing those errors. Okay. Um, So few of those errors get transcribed forward, but we do need those errors uh, because that's how evolution works. Yeah. In a very simple scale we've got yeah. to have mutations uh, there's me looking at Joe for like a clarification there. <laughs> we've got to have those errors in order to uh, well to have got where we are first yeah. of all um, but yeah so the, the ones who are who are the fittest who are the uh, have all these adaptations um, survive the longest yeah interesting quick interesting. fire question then yes okay should each of us get our DNA sequenced. Will that help us? Probably no. Honestly, no. I would not secret your DNA right now because the company that you pay to secret your DNA owns your DNA sequence. In like 30 or 40 years Excuse time, me? your ability to get healthcare, to live a normal life might depend on your DNA sequence. Yeah. Do not sell that to someone. Do not pay someone to take that from you. <laughs> Jesus, what, what, what's the, what, uh, how do you undertake DNA sequencing? What the fuck's that? So you can get your entire genome sequence by companies like Illumina, uh, 23andMe, mm-hmm. um, there's a whole lot of Ancestry.com, and they'll oh, tell God. you if your ancestry is 90% European, or you have 5% Akhenati Jew, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but they, they also know if you have a 5% missed of getting breast cancer or a five percent risk of uh, prostate cancer, and imagine if we're in the US and your insurance company knows that. Oh yeah. god! Imagine how expensive your insurance is going to be. Yeah. If you're in the US, really don't do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are there there would be advantages to that if you knew the population. If you could predict what per- percentage of the population would get uh, breast cancer, if you could tackle that earlier and you could do that, then good but let's face it society doesn't work that way um and um yeah you yeah don't i i i mean for sure it's super interesting but do it yourself so we're gonna okay. end, we're gonna end the slightly dystopian note mm. yeah the, the pharmaceutical companies owning our dna they're not even pharmaceutical yeah. company well they can't kind of but they yeah. you know so I've been playing Resident Evil recently, and it's all about yeah. it's all about how but pharmaceutical it's, companies. It's not are even evil. a pharmaceutical company; it's a company that is trying to sell things. So you give them your DNA, and then you start getting emails and targeted ads for this drug. Oh God, mm-hmm. Jesus! Oh my word! Right, so and not even any of the good ones. <laughs> no, it won't be cocaine for sure. <laughs> So on on that note, <laughs> it's gonna we're gonna end this special podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, that was a really nice fun. format. Yeah, that was, was great. Fun. Well, uh, stay tuned, and there'll be another one very soon. Thank you for listening. Good night. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So good.
god. Oh my god.